Um, okay. Can I ask you a question before we get into this? Yeah. Where do you buy your groceries? Giant Eagle. Okay. Do you now, do you go to Giant Eagle or do you go to Market District? Depends where I'm at and what I have to do when I go shopping. Okay. Um, I prefer the Market District Giant Eagle. All right. Yeah. Just, you, you strike me as a Market District guy. This week on episode 17 of the Dying Alive podcast, the Penguins extended their win streak to eight games, outscoring the opposition 14 to four during that time. Did Matt Murray have an illegal, undisclosed surgery that implanted bionic parts within his person? Uh, and the Penguins get ready to remember the 2009 Stanley Cup winning team. As we said, it's episode 17, the longest commitment of Mike Darnay's life is this moment in time right here. Is that fair? Is that fair to say Mike Darnay from Pennsburg.com? Uh, I, I don't think I can deny. Also joining us, Pat Damp from Penn's blog. Hello, Pat. Hey, Jesse. How you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm getting over some something. I don't know what it is, but it went right into my larynx. <laughs> <laughs> It's right in the larynx area. Lodged right in there. Lodged right in there. It's a virus. Um, I googled it. It said I had cancer. No, oh, you can't. You can't go to WebMD. That's that, that's a rookie yeah. move. Thanks, guys. Uh, as you said, eight games in a row for the Penguins. Uh, total turn of December. Just remember back in the day. What was that? 2015, I think maybe when Mike Tomlin said the Steelers are going to unleash hell in December. Yeah, I remember that. It was. It was. Was it the year that? It might have been earlier than that, wasn't it? um, When they went to the Super Bowl against Green Bay, they just like rattled off a bunch of wins in December. I don't know. I can't remember because they're so bad now. But uh, (laughs) the point I was trying to make is that the Penguins just unleashed hell in December, and they didn't have to talk about it. So. (laughs) Yeah, they just kind of flipped the switch. Uh, Crazy how they do that and have done that and continue to do that. Yeah, and and really, I think in all honesty, that outside of that Minnesota win, they haven't really been challenged. I mean, the Rangers, you know, they were they were pesky early, uh, but from the drop of the puck against Winnipeg, who was the best of the three teams that they just beat, uh, probably the Winnipeg game, I would argue, is their most thorough performance of the entire year. Yeah, I was at the Winnipeg game Friday night. How and many beers did you consume, Patrick? Believe it or not, zero. Zero beers. Are you doing a dry January? I'm not doing a dry January per se, but I'm cutting back. I had a pretty, pretty uh, long New Year. (laughs) 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 I was going to say pretty wild New Year's, but uh, yeah, let's go with wet December. That's way better. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, but you were also going to the Blackhawks game today. I am. Now, how many beers will you consume tonight? It's up in the air. We'll see. I've been so pretty good. We'll do. So here's what we'll do. Because we're going to re-review our over-unders from earlier in the year. We're going to do a side one tonight between Mike and I on the over-under for Patrick's beers. <laughs> Keep in mind, I do have to drive. Okay. Good knowledge. That's good knowledge to have. Um, so you, you were saying you were at the Winnipeg game. Yeah. And to kind of couple it with uh, the article you wrote this week on The Athletic in regards to the way they've upped their game in the neutral zone and on their four check overall, that was incredibly evident that game, it, seeing it in person. It seemed like any time 
a player on Winnipeg had the puck either in the defensive zone or the neutral zone, there was a penguin right on him. And throughout the entire game, it didn't seem at all like Winnipeg even had a chance to break a t- to to break even, to score, to even get sustained pressure. It was an unbelievable 60-minute effort. Yeah, um, and one other thing to note here during this eight-game win streak, uh, this morning Mike Sullivan was asked about it, and very quickly his words were, we have not accomplished anything yet. Yeah, no, I love hearing that. Oh, yeah, and that's th- that's where this team is, regardless of how good they've been over the past five, six years, is that they're not satisfied with winning a bunch of games in December. They know that there's a much bigger objective to be to be completed in the next few months. Yeah, and, and another thing a few days ago I saw from him, I believe he was asked about the Penguins' lack of practices recently because of the way their game schedule and the holiday break fell. And I believe the question was loosely asked, um, do you think these players can get by without practicing? And he quickly shut that down and said, no, we will be practicing again. Yeah. To go back to what you were saying too, Pat, just from what you noticed from an in-person perspective, I talked a lot about this on Twitter. I, I think that the Penguins, when they're at their best, they're maybe not necessarily faster than everyone else but it's just the style of hockey they play is so suffocating. It makes other teams look slow. Yeah, and it's it's trying to put enough pressure on your opposition that they have to make bad decisions or low percentage decisions with the puck to where rather than making the simple up the wall or simple barely cross ice pass out of the defensive zone. They have to send, as we've called them on this podcast before hope passes way up the boards through the neutral zone, which in turn, if it gets through, it's a one on two in the penguins advantage and whatever defenseman's there just has to step up and create a turnover or at the very least impede the progress of the one guy for the Calvary to come back. Yeah. Speed speed has been penguins, beneficiary over the years uh, but more so right now it's time and space I, I would argue that it's not a speed system it's a momentum system yeah and they yeah build that's up, the best way to they put build, it they build up speed but then they just kind of carry like so you know, I, I put a lot of video out about this it's just that high pressure that they provide they turn that into back checking momentum it's almost like a vice really when you think about it and I think the positive thing to this win streak and something that we can all be thankful for is that it looks like these good things are starting to become habit. Like this is routine now for them, right? Like this, there's a settled in-ness about this team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's easy to get into good habits when things are going well for you, just as easy it is to get into bad habits when things aren't working well. Yeah. Right. And to, and also to kind of build on what you were saying about a momentum system, I also think one of the ways they're countering the the way the league has adapted to them by becoming faster 
is they're turn they're cutting each zone in half and looking for mismatches on that half of the ice. So if they're trying to break up the left side, if the uh, opposition is trying to break up the left side of the ice, the Penguins want to have more ple- more bodies on the left side of the ice to counter whatever the opposition has in that breakout. So if they have a defenseman trying to pass to a forward, you're going to have two forwards and a defenseman on that side to outnumber the two of the opposition. Yeah, uh, by the way, can we flash back for one second and talk about Sidney Crosby with the Rangers fan? Oh yeah. That was I loved I loved oh, yeah, all of yeah. his, I loved all of that dude's chirps that he brought up. Those were awesome. If Genny Malkin would have more cups if he had a better supporting cast, what an unreal line. <laughs> yeah. And and the way the way Crosby did it with autographing his stick and having it sent to him, it's really one of the only ways a player could kind of stick it back to a fan without getting themselves in trouble. Well, somebody, I don't know who it was, so I I apologize in advance. Somebody said to Sidney Crosby, off the record, like, you're going to continue. They're not off the record, but they didn't publish this. You're going to continue to encourage this behavior, and his response was, it's not going to get any worse. (laughs) How's he going to get worse? I mean, mean, hats off off the dude for for the lines he came up with, too, like, because Every dipshit that has chirped Sidney Crosby since 2005. Oh, hi, Cindy. Oh, you're a baby. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, none of us have heard that. But he Great. was an FDN. He was a, a fire department guy, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, I, I don't think he'd have gotten the stick if it wasn't for the fact that he was like a first responder, you know? Yeah, that too. Like, Jamokes aren't getting sticks. So this will lead to a bunch of Jamokes, as you so eloquently put, trying to chirp Sid and not getting anything out of it. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is he doesn't take a whole lot of penalties. So, I mean, your opportunities for that are few and far between. <laughs> yeah, so get, get your best notepad out and uh, call up Jerry Seinfeld. Get yourself some lines, because when that opportunity presents it, you better be ready to roll. You're going to be buying a lot of away tickets. <laughs> You're going to have to travel. Um, we got to get into goaltending. I, I uh, mentioned in the earlier segment, you know, when Matt Murray mysteriously disappeared for you know a couple weeks with that quote-unquote injury, uh, was he genetically enhanced? Was there a surgery performed? Um, are we dealing with a clone? Is there a clone situation? There's many possibilities here, gentlemen. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get my tinfoil hat out here, but um, this is fishy. Are you okay. sure you don't want to get your tinfoil hat out? Because it sounds like you do. All right, Pat, I lost it, okay? <laughs> I'm lost it, lost uh, it cleaning out on New Year's Day. <laughs> serious question, though. It blew he, away. He sat out, for, <laughs> sat out for, what, three and a half weeks, roughly? Yeah. Something like that. Was his poor play... Strictly related to health. Yeah. Yeah, one has to believe that because... And I I think... Oh, please. I was just going to say, you have to believe that because we know how competitive the guy is. And like it's it's well documented that he's maybe the second most competitive person on the Penguins behind Crosby. So he was going to battle through whatever it was until somebody eventually said, you know, sit down. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, next question, uh, Jesse. I don't know if you have anything on this, but in maybe a month, six weeks ago, we talked about how the data showed the Penguins were bleeding chances when Murray was in net. Are they still bleeding chances now? And is he saving them, or are they playing better? Plus, he's also saving them. Oh no, man! You gotta give me a heads up on this stuff. I, I just I just thought of it right now. So what am I a goddamn database to you? Do you think I'm yeah. some yes. kind of computer boy? You're uh, the numbers guy. 
I, I strictly rely on you for data whenever I want it. Who is that guy? Oh, never mind. That's a terrible. That's terrible. Forget about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> but here, let me tell you something. It's funny is I, I, I've seen a lot of people on the internet discredit the Penguins run, chalking it up to hot goaltending only. So I, I felt the need to kind of like chirp that, you know, like subtweet that. You should call. You should call them out. I don't have their names in front of me. Okay, never mind. Uh, Twenty nineteen, we're calling out chirps. <laughs> now, remember, remember Rich Miller's. You, you remember you got to keep his spirit alive, and his number one rule was uh, don't name names. Well, that was number two. Number one was no hate speech. I thought number one was country music and fireball. Always uh, that was three. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is that I, in my defense of this, as I'm kind of tweeting out, you know, some of the other things the Penguins are doing well. Stephen Birch, who I love and is really good with data, responds to me is almost to say, like, why are you defending this? Like outscoring the opposition 60 to 33 over a 16 game stretch in even strength play doesn't seem obviously reliant on goaltending. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what? you're right. You know, <laughs> you're right. And so and, and that made me think, like, what is the pain? Because if you look at the Penguins results, guys, like from a data perspective, they're very ordinary. You know, even look at the Winnipeg game. I think they were like a sub 40% puck possession team. But then filter out the time where they're leading by more than you know, two goals and look at their results when the game's tied or within a goal. They're Data-wise, they're, they're totally controlling the game. So while their overall results, quote-unquote, might not be sexy, you know, when you lower that sample size down and cut out some of that noise, um, you know, you end up with results that are – actually pretty good and here's another thing i'll tell you um puck possession and a team's overall number of shots might drop a little bit when they're leading but their uh goal scoring and their shooting percentages actually increase and if you think about it that makes sense because other teams are taking chances if you're down three goals your defensemen are pinching like crazy Mm -hmm. right um so the you're you're the team that's defending that lead often shoots at a higher percentage um, and, and that's true for the Penguins, but they're still shooting below league average. We also that's, have to. F- that, that's really the terrifying part, guys, is that while the Penguins are certainly getting really good goaltending, they're still getting below average shooting percentages. And that's, I mean, what does it look like when they're above average? My God, like, they be like scoring 12 goals a game. Well, if, if Henrik Lundqvist keeps playing when the Penguins play the Rangers, yes. Isn't that weird? It is. I uh, I actually dug back to look at Lundqvist's save percentage since Mike Sullivan took over the Penguins. He's like four percentage points lower against the Penguins than he is against every other team. That's great. Like yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think he's like a 87.7 against the Penguins. <laughs> and that's dating back, Mike, to the net flipping, correct? Correct. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Seth Rarbaugh pointed out that the Rangers have not beat the Penguins since Henrik Lundqvist flipped the net. That's correct, and I and I do believe that 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 night, uh, specifically, I got a text message from Mike Darnay that included the words "full" and "diaper." <laughs> um, it's very possible so anyway shout out to matt murray seven and zero on this run uh he saved uh 226 out of 235 for a 96.2 percent save percentage which is bonkers is that good uh if it's that i think that might be good i'm gonna have to check follow up um, to follow I up to you, mike, mike. i gotta research this stuff follow up to mike's question 
Are you sure? Casey <laughs> <laughs> uh, DeSmith will be in net tonight for the Blackhawks, by the way. Or Which yesterday. Still, you still feel good about that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you got to get him time. You, you, you have to. Could, you never know what could happen. You have. I, I mean, I know that everybody likes to say the whole ride the hot hand, but they have two hot hands right now. You can't. You, you can't just suddenly bench DeSmith because Murray's <laughs> playing well because DeSmith is still playing well and. Yeah, well, you got to keep both of them fresh. Right, and that, that's the point I was going to make is there's a lot of goaltenders around the league right now, especially on teams in the playoffs that are really riding their starting goalie a lot harder than they should going into playoffs. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? It's kind of a 50-50. Sometimes it works out and Cam Talbot has a great year and then other times your goalie burns completely out come playoff time. But, you know, you look at a team like Toronto, they've been, until his injury, they've been playing Frederick Anderson every single night. Yeah. So having, having a goaltending duo that can swap out every other game or every three games is gigantic. Yeah, I feel like it's a very fine line hitting that threshold of on a good pace starting 50, 55 games and then hitting 60 and 65 and then being like, oh, we still have another two months, hopefully, that we'll be playing. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, in addition to thinking about not only Casey DeSmith staying fresh and, um, you know, things of that nature – Crab Rangoon, things of that nature. I don't get that <laughs> reference. Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I saw. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm very disappointed in you right now. In me? Yep. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. For <laughs> once, it doesn't backfire on me. For once. Well, so Pat's point though. My, what, what I was trying to get at is goaltending across the board is down this year. Um, you look at some of the names. Uh, of guys that are really struggling, you know, and the carry price. These are all players with a negative goal saved above average carry price. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck, Craig Anderson, Corey Crawford, uh, Mike Smith. I mean, and then guys that are barely above average, Tuka Rask, Sergei Bobrovsky. It's just been a weird year. Uh, and I do want to mention, I don't think it's because the NHL rolled out really unsafe chest protectors. No, there was a great um, discussion about goaltending and everything that's gone on with it this year on 31 Thoughts with Friedman and Merrick, where basically they talked about how the way individual players are training now has caught up to the way goaltenders had been trained for the past decade to where individual players have shooting coaches now. So as opposed to goaltenders being the only ones that had specialized coaching, players have that now. So their shot selection's better, the equipment's better, which catches them up to how good the goalies have become with specialized training. Mm. Um, during this this next run, and speaking of the Blackhawks, the Penguins will honor that 2009 uh, Stanley Cup team. Nine, it's been 10 years, guys. 10. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, and I, I saw a picture. Mark Eaton looks like he's still in playing shape. I believe it. He was a beast for that for that run. And then he had that was it was an ankle injury, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Anybody yeah. got a anybody got a favorite goal from that run? Just off the top of your head, uh, Jordan. Jordan. <sighs> we're gonna say the same one, aren't we? Shorthanded goal. Yep. Reversed it on Talbot outlets. Jordan Stahl carries. Rapalski back with him. Stahl. 
Yep. I was going to go with that or the Evgeny Malkin Hurricanes goal, the hat trick goal. Raising opportunities in the attacking zone, and it's a one shot game. Malkin Burling is out. Oh my word! And Kenny Malkin, spectacular for the hat trick. Mine's Miroslav Shatan out of the penalty box. That's a good one. Yeah, too. that's yeah. a great one. On a quick give and go to the front. The pass never arrived. Shatan's got to step on the D. Miroslav Shatan's in. Remember he went down to Wilkes-Barre, like handled it like a champ, came back, like total beast. Yeah, and that was that was talked about kind of, um, I believe it was in the book Breakaway about their lead up to the 09 Cup where basically Shiro and Bilesma sat down with them and said, like, listen, this is just the way the chips are going to fall. You're going to have to go down to Wilkes-Barre. It's going to help with the cap. It's going to help with the team overall. You're going to be back up. Go down. Be a professional. You'll be back up for the run. And sure enough, he followed it straight away. And it was a net positive for that team in the run to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to cut you off the laugh there, Pat, but shout out Chet. Uh, I was just looking at Twitter during the show, and he said I was going to tweet about how Murray should be playing but who cares? Ha ha. It's the Blackhawks. Pretty surely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's good if you read the whole thing. I'm going to start over. Wait, I'm going to start over. I was going to tweet about how Murray should be playing, but who cares? Ha ha. It's the Blackhawks. I'm pretty sure they only have like five, six players now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we laugh, but they're going to end up kicking our ass, aren't they? So 10 nothing. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so anyway, uh, we, we want to revisit because we're at the halfway point of the season. Um, we won't spend a terrible amount of time on this, but our over-unders um, from the beginning part of the year, let's see how they're trending. And shout out Matt Schaefer for actually tracking all this. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're, we're reading off of his Excel spreadsheet here. Um, so we'll, we'll run through these, uh, kind of see where we're at. Um, and uh, there were some of them I didn't deliver. So why don't I facilitate this? Because I can simultaneously roast the two of you. Um, at the same time, Brian Dumoulin, three goals. Um, Mike and I took under Pat. You went over. He's got one. So we're half still, this, he's one, got, this one's, this one's going to come down to the wire. Yeah. You're still in it. You're still in it, Pat. Yeah. I was going to say, he's still got 41 games to uh, get all of two. Um, Carl Haglin hit the music. We're not even going to go over that one. Uh, Derek Broussard, this is one where we're all really getting. Ooh, yikes. I, I think, actually, you are getting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the ones that I did not answer. Derek Broussard, the over under. Uh, oh, by the way, real quick. These are all from uh, Don Lishizen's, um projections on the athletic at the beginning of the year. 17 goals. He's got six. Oof. And I, I don't see us catching up on that one. Yeah. No. Here's really another one that uh, the second half will prove to be interesting for us. Evgeny Malkin, 93 points. Both you and um, um, Mike and Pat both went over on that, and we are at 43 right now. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like at the, the quarter poll point, we were leaning towards over, but he's kind of slowed a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sticking here's, with it. I'm sticking with it. I know a hot streak is coming for him. It always a, does. Here's a shocker. Jack Johnson, 14 points. Uh, we You both said over, and he's at 10. He's going to shatter that. Doesn't mean he's good. Just means I know no, what this right. team does. <laughs> Let's separate the thing. Now here's, here's where we all take our comeuppance, all three of us, with a resounding under for Jake Genzel's 27 goals. Oh, 17. I, I, I personally apologize to Jake Genzel. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up, we got Justin Schultz. This is a sad one. Uh, can he get over seven goals in the small period of time that he'll have available to him? I think uh, when he returns, I think he can. But if he doesn't, <laughs> if, if he doesn't, I feel like that should. This one kind of could be given an asterisk. Mm. Yeah, you break your leg, and uh, I think that kind of throws a whole wrench into your production. We uh, uh, we're all cruising on this one. We all uh, ten goals for Crystal Thang. We all said over. He only needs one more. So, uh, fifty three points. Fifty three points uh, for Latang. You both said under thirty six. I'm so, gonna be wrong and I don't care. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily be wrong about that one. Oli Mata, twenty eight points. I went over, so shame on me for six weeks because he's only got eleven. Quite a goal on uh, on Friday, though. Yeah. That's the start of something fresh. Um, Phil Kessel is <laughs> 75 points. You all said over. He's at 46, so you're looking pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. could break even, but you know what? That's fine. Uh, Riley Shea and nine goals. Everybody went over and were at five. This one's going to come down to the wire. I feel kind of good about it still. Yeah. I do too. I think he's played good enough. Uh, this is where I get the shit on you guys. Sidney Crosby, 51 assists. You both went over, or both went under. I was the only over in the group at 32 right now. Wow, you picked the best player on the planet to have a bunch of assists. How brave of you. You didn't. (laughs) So what's that tell us about you, Pat? That I am willing to step out on the ledge and expose myself, unlike some people. It takes him longer to get to the edge because his legs are so short. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a participation medal on that one. The same way Canada's World no, Junior no, no, Team no. got Look, one. I've been hanging out with James Harrison and Antonio Brown. I do not want that participation medal. By the way, Mike, I, I noticed you weren't wearing your Antonio Brown jersey this week. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole, 103 points. Uh, you both went over at 52 right now, so sweat, sweating it out. Yeah, and I can—I don't know about you, Jesse, but I can hear some uh, some papers shuffling right hit, now. Hit the other music. First question, also regarding beverage, oh. it's from, it's from uh, Liam. Drinking a glass of milk, yay or nay? Nay. Absolutely not. Wait, is it ch- now, I will say, coming from Beaver County, we have a lot of places that make really good chocolate milk. Like, Are you, are you, are you a uh, Brenton's guy? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you go pick up a donut from okay. Orem's. And that chocolate milk with that Orem's donut is just unstoppable. But white, like regular ass white milk, no. There's only only one answer for chocolate milk, and it's Turner's. But go off, I guess. Okay. Uh, They they actually do. How dare you? (laughs) 
Go ahead. <laughs> they sell, they, they sell uh, Brunton's milk at the Market District. It's because it's high class. Next question. Res- mad respect uh, for Turner's, though, let me say. Mad respect yeah. for Turner's. But so you put some respect on Turner's no, name. Thing, though, you don't just, if you want good-ass chocolate milk, you don't go get Turner's. You go get Brunton's. Wrong, but okay. No, I'm serious. Like... Turner's for me is like chocolate milk if I just want like something regular ass normal chocolate milk. If I want to ball out and like spend fliff, I'm going to Brunton's. Turner's is actually for iced tea. Which is, is also, also co- which is also correct. Uh, next question is from Alex. If you could go back in time and witness any event in history, what would it be? I knew I should have prepared this week. I'm probably going to limit myself to a sports-related event just to make Yeah, it. that's what I'm going to do, too, because, like, right now, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say uh, Miracle on Ice. Probably the Immaculate Reception. Steelers. I'd go to the 13-9 game. Oh, the PitWVU game? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That'd, yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, Tim Bowers asks, when will the Penguins trade for Jimmy Howard? <laughs> that's a good question, Tim. That's a great question. question. That's still happening. I, I, I would, I would it, want it. I would want it just for the ins or accents to talk about him. My, my yeah. answer will be Jimmy Howard. <laughs> I will say hopefully not, because if they do, something will have gone drastically wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Feathers asks, who are your award winners at the midway point of the season? Uh, Chris Letang for the Norris. Yes. Yes. How about for the Vezina? John Gibson. Yeah, yeah Gibson. Yeah, that feels pretty safe. I want to say Gibson or um, uh, uh, shit. Halak. Hart Trophy. Nathan McKinnon. Nikita Kucherov. Miko Rantman. Yeah, I think Colorado, assuming they keep their pace of play, having two players with the production of McKinnon and Rantman will probably split votes and hurt both of them equally. I will say, though, if the Ducks end up making the playoffs, we have to talk about Gibson possibly winning the heart. Because he's he's dragging that team kicking and screaming through the Pacific. And there's recent precedent with Carey Price winning the heart. Yeah, it's a good point. Good, uh, good point, Patrick. You were going to say rare good point, weren't you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric asks, what is the take on the opinion outside of Pittsburgh on Jake Gensel being a guy that is only good with slash because of Crosby? Well, you I, have that take, but you'd be wrong. So. I, I was going to say, I, I, I love that question because I can't remember if it was either Adam or Derek, one of the original Penn's blog guys, that always talked about how national guys will paratroop into Pittsburgh and have like these weird takes because they don't follow the team all year. Like it's fine to believe that Gensel is a product of Crosby because there's so much precedent for it. But if you do five minutes of research, you learn that the guy's pretty independently talented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Eric, by the way, criminally underfollowed on Twitter uh, at E manatee, like the mammal. Agreed. Very good takes. Very reasonable takes on everything. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Laura brings up the story about Charles Udon in Montreal and how he's ready for a change of scenery. The quote is from his player agent, Elaine Waugh. 
Charlie wants to play in the NHL, whether it's Montreal or somewhere else. How does this play out? He's probably going to get traded, but he'll end up toiling in the minors for a while, wherever he goes, just because. Yeah, and that seems to be what's going on right now from what I gather. Well, I was going to say, because for better or for worse, coaches and executives all talk, and this guy's quote-unquote reputation is going to be that he thinks he's better than he is, he thinks he's bigger than the team, and whether it's right or wrong, he's not going to get a fair shake because he's going to be looked at as selfish, and they'll keep him in the minors because of that. It'd be similar to Josh Hosang. I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. Uh, Jay asks specifically for Jesse, didn't you mention you played beer league? Did you guys have any catchy team names? No, I mean, like we had a, the name of the team was the tiger Vikings. That's a great name though. Yeah. And our logo was drawn by my friend, Matt Welch in Microsoft. I think he did it in paint in MS paint. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was literally like this really, it was a, a tiger head with this big ass Viking helmet. I like it. Half You're the cut. team, half the team was from Hopewell, Pennsylvania, Hopewell Vikings. Mm-hmm. The other half was from Moon Moon Tigers. And then me, being from Ambridge, was criminally underrepresented um, on the team. No, no love for you on that one. Yeah. And, the other uh, one, I'm going to just drop one more, and this isn't as funny in retrospect, <laughs> given the political climate. <laughs> But, oh um, boy! This is this goes. There back, we go. Here we uh, go. Well, this goes back to like probably two thousand and three. We played roller hockey for a while at uh, Neville Island because their roller rink down there is just huge. It's like double the size of River else, I think. Not double, but it's big. So we were in college. Obviously, we were freshmen, and we had a, a, a team that played beer league down there. And we got our jerseys done at Signature Flags in Ambridge. At the time, Signature Flags was the same group of people that did all the Penguin stuff. Um, so anyway, we got Red Army jerseys made. Sick on the hammer with yeah, a little flame coming off. Not a flame, but like it was almost <clears throat> in motion. And they were red. And where the numbers were, the Colorado Avalanches numbers. If you uh, if you wore that now, you'd you'd probably get roasted online. I can't yeah, because because someone broke into my car when I lived in the South Side and stole my bag. Sorry to hear that. Never get it again. But if anybody in Pittsburgh sees a <laughs> number nineteen Soviet jersey with the name Marshall on the back, <laughs> please tweet me. <laughs> You're kind of like Twitter's go-to guy for um. Fantasy and beer league team names, though. It seems yeah. like I see you getting added about that all the time. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I le- I'd like to come up with ones that are both like hockey related and then just obscene, like salsa blog or like. <laughs> My friend Mark has a team right now in Cranberries. I think it's called Number One Magic Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, Pit Sports fan says it might be too early in the season for this, but asks, can the Penguins win the cup with their current roster? And who is your pick to come out of the West? OK, so the first part of the question, I would say yes. I agree. Yeah, I think so. I think if you can rattle off an eight game win streak like this and play the way they're playing with the goaltending they're getting, they're capable of beating anybody. That's the big X factor, too, is the goaltending. 
so the, the the nights are starting to get hot. I don't the I don't buy the Flames at all. I refuse to buy the Predators. The Predators are three five and two in their last ten, I think. Right? Um, yes. I, I feel like the West is much wide more open. wide yeah. open than it has been in recent years. Yeah, it could be anybody. I mean, I could see San Jose putting something together. Like you said, if John Gibson keeps playing, keeps playing, he does. It doesn't matter what the Ducks are doing. But San Jose needs to get good goaltending. Martin Jones is yeah. totally sucked. Well, how about Winnipeg? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have as much as a chance as anyone. Yeah, my two favorites for the West are Winnipeg and Vegas. Like, Vegas is for real. They're not, that wasn't a one off. They're a good hockey team. Well, Mark Andre Fleury still hasn't been good, but he's been better. Yeah, he, but he's been what he always needs to be, which is a slightly above average goaltender on a good team. Yeah. Uh, Mike Neurer, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Uh, what's your go to game when the price is right? It's got to be Plinko. Uh, it's the one with the yodeler. Yeah, I was going to say the that. Mountain, mountain climber or whatever. Mountain yeah. climber, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, both good. Uh, let's see. Hammer asks, favorite and least favorite Penguin jersey designs? Uh, least favorite was the 2011 Winter Classic. That jersey sucked. Favorite is either what they have now in the early 90s one or the late 90s, early 2000s third jersey. I like um, the... I like, I would, I like the late 90s, early 2000s third I agree. Um, I also would include as a favorite the current version of the away white jerseys. Um, not so much because of the fact that they're current, but the way the jerseys are all streamlined now. They don't look baggy like they did in the 90s. Yeah, and I feel like if they were going to do a blue jersey, the, the right way to do it would have been um, to, to do like a 1974 Jean Pronovo era. Yeah. Because that, that one had gold in it. It wasn't yeah. just that solid baby blue. It had like a gold a triangle behind the penguin was gold. Had like a, it, it was just a little bit more subtle, I think. Yeah. And what about least favorite for you two? There's a lot of options. I hated the white pigeon. The white pigeon with the black and gold uh, stripes on the, uh, like pointy ones on the top. I just hated that jersey, the '94 one. I yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I can agree with that. Um, yeah. I like the 2011 Winter Classic one, though, personally. Also, in retrospect, when the the, the, the jersey the Penguins used when they went back to the triangular penguin, like in the X Generation era, the Crosby's rookie like, year. Yeah, those were really ugly. Now, when you look at them, the, yeah, the little the little stripes by the hips, right? Yeah, yeah those were really. Well, gross. and I mean, actually, least favorite would be their previous versions of what they wear with Vegas gold. Yeah, the yeah. two thousand nine Cup jerseys; those are terrible. Uh, let's see. Rabid Mutant asks, "What is the team's biggest need going forward?" And has a little bit of a follow up: Does Dustin Schultz coming back help fix the defense? Well, first off, I don't think the defense really needs quote-unquote fixed. I mean, we all know Jack Johnson's terrible, but that's why harp on what everybody already knows. I think, honestly, what that does is makes the defense just stronger. Yeah, and and kind of from a semantic standpoint, I don't know if him coming back will fix the quote-unquote defense, um, but it will fix the power play, 
And if the Penguins are winning, it kind of makes people think their defense is not as bad. Yeah, and it gives them better depth. And I, I don't, I don't know what this. Maybe this team's need is just consistency and to stay healthy. That's really their biggest need. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know that I have anything I would add. Uh, he also asked, "What is your go-to cocktail slash drink?" Uh, whiskey ginger. Me same here. Captain and Diet Coke. Oh, you go Diet Coke. Yes, I did. I thought you just went regular. I did not nope. know you went diet. Nope. Uh, let's see. I got three more. <clears throat> Jeremy asks another Justin Schultz related question. When he comes back from his injury, does that mean Jack Johnson is the odd man out, or is it someone else on defense? It's not going to be Jack Johnson. Don't get your guys' hopes up. I I agree. Even though it should be his salary and salary cap status dictate playing time unfortunately that's the way coaches operate yeah and he just he has to find a way to make it work if that's the way you want to put it like just how it is okay uh bioshock who had the best ass in nhl history Uh, (laughs) from from a playing perspective he mentions uh yager using it as a weapon to box people out and how crosby does the same thing Peter Forsberg was pretty good at it too. Yeah, because Forsberg did the reverse hit all the time. I mean, it's it's got to be Yager. Like that was like he said, I it mean, was a even, weapon. Even when he was in his forties playing for Philadelphia, it was still yeah. Uh, and looks like the last question is from Chet. Chet. Okay, this is a semi-long question. If you could go back to the dark ages. X generation 2001 to 2005 and pluck any non-star player off of those teams. He strictly mentions no Lemieux, no Kovalev, no players like Straka or Morozov who would help the Peng- who would help the Penguins the most right now and had the best game for today's NHL. Oh, no Dick Carmstrom either. No softballs here. Probably what was was Ference on one of those teams, or was that before the 2000s? I can Google it real quick. Because I know, I, I know they had Ference, and they gave up on him real quick. Okay. Uh, Chet actually answered his own question for me. Um, so I'll, I'll see what you guys say, and then I'll give you his, uh, his own answer. Yeah, Andrew Ference was 2003, Pat. Um, that's, the year he got, that's the year he got reassigned to wilkes Bear and eventually... I think got claimed off waivers by Calgary. Yeah, because I yeah, I, I don't remember. I, anyway, I would count him though because yeah, I would count him. Count him as someone we can't pick, or somebody that we can pick. Somebody you can pick because that—that's who I would go with. They—they they gave up on him way too fast. Mm. I'm trying to. Mike, do you I have any? Go, I, have I, might with, uh, I might go with Tomas Sorovi. Okay, I have Chet's answer in front of me. Neither of you picked his answer. He says Konstantin Koltsov. He says it sounds dumb, but in reality, he was basically Russian Brian Rust. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. He was quick. 
he just played the game 10, 12 years too early. He says he never never got it going in the NHL, but like the new Penguins have consistently turned high effort, low skill wingers into real top six players. <laughs> I'm sticking with my answer of Tomas Sorovi. As am I sticking with Andrew Ference. Okay, that's it for this week that I have. Guys, got anything you got to plug? It's not me personally, but there is something I would like to plug and mention on the podcast. And it's that the Philadelphia Flyers officially have the worst promotion ever. It is their yeah, got, go I, I got yeah. It's their got AED overtime challenge. A win in sudden death means an automated external defibrillator will go to St. Monica School. And as I'm sure you can imagine, they got roasted from one person. So if you lose, some kid dies at the school? Makes sense. (laughs) Uh, Officially in last place in the Metropolitan Division now are the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, They've played 41 games this year and won 15 of them. Jesus. They are not good. They have allowed 100 and 48 goals. How much money do you think this year for the Flyers is going to cost Wayne Simmons as a free agent? Nothing. Because general managers are stupid. That's that's a valid point. <laughs> yeah, and there's going to be a team that overvalues him and thinks, oh, yep. we get him. We're on the cusp already. We get Wayne Simmons. Shoe in for contender. Which Anybody sucks because I like him. I like Wayne Simmons. Anybody surprised by how bad the Devils are? No. Sorta. I didn't think they would be this bad. I didn't think they were as good as last year, but I didn't think they were as bad as they are this year. If we're gonna talk, if we're gonna talk about NHL standings before the show's over, I just want to put out there that my dream scenario is that the Islanders get in as a wild card, play the Caps in the first round, and win. Oh, baby! I would. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Jesse, yeah. back, back to the Devils real quick. Quick question. From a prospect standpoint and from a draft analysis standpoint, is Pavel Zaka playing as poorly as everybody thought he would? No. That, that was, I mean, I'm not a draft guy, but it seemed like he was a consensus pick where the Devils took him. Yeah. And I think he just scored his first few points of the year recently. Yeah. Hasn't uh, I mean, when and when you have a near top five pick and you're not getting any production from him, it kind of sums up why things aren't going well. Well, that's another, yeah, that's a microcosm. Well, that, sure. What was it? Um, their one was it Snyder hadn't gotten a win in over a calendar year, right? Like, how do you how like the law of averages says that shouldn't happen, yeah. Um, and, and Zaka, though, too, has, has was also a PDO sort of sinker for a period there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, he's had an outburst of shots, though, recently. I think it really helped him out. But um, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised they're that bad. Yeah, exactly. I also, uh, by the way, I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Um, all right. Well, uh, while we're at it, last last thing before we go, Mike over under on Pat's beers tonight. Three and a half. No, you have to pick a number. You can't. Oh, I thought I was placing the number. I, I want you to say over you, under. Sorry, you know, you guess how many beers he'll have. I would say three. 
right. I'm going to go two. Bold predictions, gentlemen. Bold predictions. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode uh, 17 of the uh, show. The only thing left to do is to hit you with the vine of the week. I mean, four female Ghostbusters? The feminists are taking over. I'm an adult virgin.